Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. You see, the real meaning of life is found simply in following Jesus. When you begin that process, everything else falls in place. This is where we find purpose and meaning. You cannot find purpose and meaning of life out of following Jesus Christ. It's absolutely impossible. Have you searched high and low for purpose and meaning in life? Today, Pastor Mark will show listeners how following Christ is the only pursuit that will fill this void. If you do not seek first to be a disciple of Jesus, every other area of your life will suffer and seemingly fall apart. The simple great command in all the earth is to love God. To fail at that is to miss the greatest meaning in life. What have you pursued in life that has only left you feeling empty and purposeless? Jesus said he came to earth that you and I might have life and that we might have it abundantly. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with his continuing study entitled, Love, It's Not Easy. The Jews knew this was the great commandment. They really knew the Shema was it. The little Shema would be written out in longhand and rolled up and put within that little Shema. It's just, it's attaches to doors. And you would see that when we go to Israel, when you walk out of the hotel room, basically every hotel room has a little mezuzah. And what you do is you... Put your hands on it. And when you put your hands on it, inside it said what? There is how many gods? One. It's a Shema. It says there's one God. It will remind you that there's one God. Now, there's nothing wrong with both of these. Nothing wrong with them at all. Except if they become a ritual. You see, if you put the box on and you, you rub the, she, the, the little box like, well, this mezuzah is going to bring me good luck for the day. Could, could we in Christianity have rituals? So the Jewish people, well, they knew the answer to this. They understood it. Look back in verse 37. And when you see the word all in Vieira and here and watching by the internet, when you see the word all, I want you to say it out loud with me. Look at verse 37. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Did you get the idea? You see, when Jesus saved us, I'm so glad he just didn't save the left side of me. I'm glad he just didn't save my leg. 
When God came into my life, he saved how much of me? All of me. Are you glad for that this morning? How do I know that, Pastor Mike? I don't see that in the Bible anywhere. Oh, yes, you do. Old things are passed away. All things became new. So when God came into us, he just took us from top to bottom, and he just cleansed us. And all my sins are cast as far as the east is from the west. That's important. Well, how do I serve God? Let me read you this, but write this definition first. What was Jesus saying? A person's total being must be involved in loving God. Heart, soul, mind, strength. Not one missing. Those who present to God a few moments of worship in church once a week, while ignoring God in the rest of their life at work and at home and at play, this writer says will suffer from religious schizophrenia. Those who try to straddle a fence by allotting God only token love while maintaining a vibrant friendship with the world are doomed to be, well, frustrated in this world and doomed in the world to come. You see, with God, it is all or nothing. Love can't be tithed like money. Few can honestly sing this old hymn, All to Jesus I Surrender. But God requires nothing less. You see, loving God is simple, but it's not easy. I'm to love God. We already discovered what love is, the definition. Here's the problem. There's many times in our lives, and pastors are taught to do this. I learned this many years ago, and I strive to do it. Sometimes I, I don't do it as well as I'd like to. Many times we're told, here's the commandment, here's what it means, have a nice day. No, what we need to know now is three little word. How do I love God? All right, you told me what I had to do. This is the first commandment. Four parts of me, all of me. And you told me what love means. How do I do that? We're going to learn this morning five ways we're going to do it. But let me tell you first, when we mention this word, how, how do I show my love to God? How do I show it? How do I love him with everything? Well, I have to show it some way. It just can't be words. Write this definition down. Love is an inner commitment to God. So notice the word commitment. Expressed, not by words, but by my conduct. But by my conduct. Now think about this. Since it's hard to maybe get this wrapped around in our mind, how do I show love to God? Let's talk about this. If you're married this morning, or maybe you're dating somebody or whatever, or have children, how, how, do, how do you show love to your children? How do you show love to your spouse? How do I, how do I show love to my wife? How do, how do I do it? Well, sometimes I bring my wife gifts. That's an extension of me. It shows me. One of the things we show God when we bring to him our worship, and when you're here and you guys are doing better, being here on time, we honor him because we bring in him our gifts of worship. We're telling him that we love him enough to be here on time and to worship him, not just to drag in what I want. Remember, love is selfless. 
I don't have time to get ready. I got to think of myself more than God. Nope, no, that's wrong. So my, life, my wife, I, I don't think of myself. I, I show her love by bringing her gifts. Sometimes I show her love by doing things for her. I do tell her with words and actions. How do I show love to my wife? I, I spend time with her. Well, let me give you today five ways that we show love to God. Number one, we show God we love him by obeying him. By obeying him. Turn in your Bibles here and in Vieira, if you will, to John 14, 15. John 14, 15. What you're going to discover is Jesus is going to say this. If you love me, if you say you love me, then prove it. Prove it. Well, how do I prove it? He's going to give us the primary way to prove it. John 14, 15, you see these words. Jesus says, now if you love me, you will obey what I command. John 14, 15, you will obey what I command. I prove it by obeying what Jesus commands. What does Jesus command? Well, these are Jesus' commands. It's the Word of God. John 1 says he is the Word. So I can't turn to this and go, well, I'm kind of living with somebody and sleeping with them, and that's old stuff. I, I, I don't think that's against the Bible. Well, it is. That's sin. But I love God. No, you don't. You've just proved that you didn't. Well, the income tax, I, my quarterly things do, and I've, I've kind of, you know, it's, it's tough. Housing market is very difficult. So I had, to, I had to be very dishonest, and I lied on my report. Now, I know they never catch me, but I love God. No, you don't. You don't love God at all. It'd be like me coming home, and my wife's away, and she comes home, and she says, well, who is this woman in the house? Well, I had an affair while you are gone. But I love you, honey. Really? <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. Desperate housewife says that's love. That's not love. That's simply lust without God. So see, every part of this we have to go for. You can't separate it out. I love you, Lord. And in the middle of that, you're planning to simply break a commandment. No, it doesn't work that way. You see, can I keep this without his help? No. Here's what you need to understand. Love and obedience are perfectly linked together. I can't say I love you and then absolutely to God, don't obey his commandments. It doesn't ever work. Jesus might have rephrased this verse to the Orthodox Jews by saying this. If you love me, then prove it by obeying my commandments. Don't just repeat the Shema twice daily. Don't just rub the mezuzah as you leave your house. Don't just put the phylactery on your head every morning and say those words, but actually obey the word. See, it's not a ritual. It comes from my heart. Now, since love and obedience are perfectly linked together, if I'm going to obey the word, I have to know the word. That's why we're here in a Bible study, we're learning the Word of God. I can't obey the commands if I don't know the commands. That's why we're studying the Word of God. How often I hear a person say this, I'm a Christian, but I don't have to go to church. I, I can stay home and be all that God wants me to be. You know what? I used to be pretty easy on that. I want to say this to you. I don't believe that for one minute. Now, there's places in the world where you can't do anything different than that. 
But God didn't design the church to be a bunch of individual people just off doing their deal. In fact, Ephesians 4 says that you are to be in church somewhere when you can, health-wise and all those other issues, because God gave us a gift in all of our churches of at least one pastor-teacher. We have many more than that here. To give you the word of God so you can grow up, you can love God, you can please God, and you can be all that you can be. You can't do that by yourself. And our world is, is just crazy. Pastor Mark, the commandments are so hard. They're very difficult. God's word isn't encouraging. It's always against me. It's so negative. And when I try to approach God, he's always pointing everything wrong in my life. It's hard. Really? Where'd you learn that from? Well, it's one of those 613 I've been working on. Well, let me give you the solution to what you just said. Every statement you just made that it's a burden to obey God, that the word is all negative and condemning, and that God is unapproachable, every statement you just made is 100% wrong from the Bible. Look at this verse, 1 John 5, 3. Notice what it says. You see it on the overhead. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. In fact, the Bible says the opposite. The way of the sinner is hard. The way of the sinner is hard. See, God gave us his commandments for a purpose, for a reason. They're not bad for us. They're good for us. When you and I understand that God says, don't go past here, that's safety. That's wisdom. It's not negative. He loves us. He's trying to protect us. If your child ran out into the street as a one-year-old, just beginning to walk, ran right out in the street, would you say, honey, it's okay. Just look right and just look left. No, you'd run after that child and pick him up and say, no, don't do that. Every time they would do that. Why? Because you love them. Well, that's, parent can't do that. They warp the kid's mind. If you don't warp their mind... You're going to have to warp something else. <laughs> Why? Because you what? You love him. You love him. Number two, we show God we love him by following him. By following him. That's why I don't use the term Christian hardly anymore. Everybody says, I love God, I'm a Christian, I just go do my own thing. No, no, no. Jesus, Mark 1, 17, said, come, follow me. You see, follow me is not like a, a simple, polite gesture. Hey, come follow me. In the original language, it's a command. It's not something I can desire to do. It is a commandment. One day, Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration. He had his disciples there and a couple guys from the Old Testament. And God appeared. Look what he says in Mark 9, 7. Then a cloud appeared and enveloped them. And a voice came from the cloud. God speaking. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Those of you by the internet, up in Vieira and here in Melbourne, we're listening to God right now. We're doing right. He's speaking to our hearts. Follow Christ. You don't have to be suicidal to wonder if your life is worth living. You don't have to be on skid row to feel that you're a loser. You don't have to be locked behind bars to be imprisoned by your own desires. You don't have to be a prostitute 
to sell your life to others. You don't have to be a playboy to be preoccupied with sex. You don't have to be a drug addict to exist on an artificial high. You don't have to be a millionaire to be bought by the love of money. You don't have to be psychotic to run from the deeper issues of life. You don't have to be a corporate president to live for your job. You don't have to be a garbage collector to think that life stinks. You don't have to drive a BMW to try to find joy in some of your possessions. You don't have to be homeless to feel lost and out of place in this world. You don't have to be stupid to misunderstand what life's all about. And you don't have to be a genius to discover the real meaning of life. You see, the real meaning of life is found simply in following Jesus. When you begin that process, everything else falls in place. This is where we find purpose and meaning. You cannot find purpose and meaning of life out of following Jesus Christ. It's absolutely impossible. Number three, we show God we love him by becoming like him. As we follow Jesus, we begin to imitate him. That's exactly what Jesus did with his 12 disciples. For three years, he was reproducing himself in these 12 men. As he did that, they began to think like him. They began to understand how to do ministry like him. And they began to have, well, the character of Jesus. When we speak of love, how many of us in this room think we've arrived, that we love just like Jesus loved? I don't think so. We're still this work in progress. Turn, if you will, to 1 Corinthians 13, Vieira. 1 Corinthians 13. When we get there, we're going to go down to verse 4. We've already defined for you what love is, the agape love. This is just kind of love in action. And it shows us the characteristics of love. Let's read it. Love is patient. By the way, the way you make this read is you put Jesus or God in there. God is patient. God is kind. God doesn't envy. God doesn't boast. God is not proud. God is not rude. God is not self-seeking. God is not easily angered. I love this next one. God keeps no record of wrongs. Whoo! I need that. Don't you? God does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. God always protects. God always trusts. God always hopes. Do you know God has hope for you this morning, no matter where you're at? And God always perseveres. Verse 8, God never fails. Pastor Mark, I think he's failed me. No, it's a lie. He will never fail. I'll fail you. Your closest friend will fail you, but God will never fail you. Number four, we show God we love him by asking for his wisdom. By asking for his wisdom. You see, life was never meant to be lived by my own wisdom. I don't have enough input to make those kind of decisions. King Solomon discovered that every time he went down a path with his own wisdom, it was always a dead end. 
Now, God loves it when we spend time with him in prayer asking for wisdom to do right. God just loves it. You see, we mean to do right. We're just humans. And all those things I was thinking about, most of them had to do with his work. But he had to wake me up to give these to me. I want to ask you a question. In the last seven days here in Melbourne and Vieira, in the last seven days, how many times, don't answer me out loud, just anything, how many times did you ask God specifically for his wisdom? What I discover is we kind of get used to doing life and we just don't ask. We're doing life without him. If you have a child and they come to you and ask for wisdom, dad, mommy, how do I do this? You love it. If you have a teenager that asks you for that, that's like a miracle. (laughs) You love it. How much God loves for us to go to God and say this, God, I have this thing. You know, see, we go to God when there's wisdom like the house is falling in, the hurricane's coming, the doctor's on Tuesday and it doesn't look it. We definitely go to God then. But he wants us in the little things of life. To ask for wisdom. How much better to go to God and say, look, I got this thing I've got to think I'm done on Tuesday and Wednesday and whatever. And I, 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 it just, when I, when I began studying this, God just began changing me again, bringing me back. Well, look what he says. You know the passage of scripture. It's here in Proverbs. It says this, trust in the Lord with, oh, we might have heard this today. Read it with me. Trust in the Lord with what? All your what? Your heart. See, it's from the heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will. And all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Pastor Mark, what a great teaching. Whoa, it's not my teaching. When you leave here, don't go, wow, Pastor Mark. Go, wow, God. It's not about man. It's never about man. We're just instruments. Instead, fear the Lord. And notice, turn from evil turn from evil. Why do I go to God for wisdom? The character God is all-knowing. Case closed. Number five, we show God we love him by telling him that we love him. That's a mark. That's crazy. No, it's not. You know the old story of a husband whose wife complains that he doesn't tell her enough that he loves her. His response Honey, 42 years ago when we got married, in the ceremony, I told you I love you. If anything changes, I'll let you know. (laughs) What's up with that? We laugh at that, but let me ask you a question. Have you told God lately that you love him? Simply saying to him, I love you. Not with an attachment, not with something hanging on to it, not with a request, just I love you you. We show God we love Him by obeying Him, following Him, becoming like Him, asking for His wisdom, and telling Him that we love Him. Today, we learned from Pastor Mark that these are the five ways which we show our love to God. Just as parents would find satisfaction in children doing these things, so God is pleased when we do them. Does God know you love Him? Or can you show it more today by the conduct of your total being? Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. 
or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. There's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on today's date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. How hard is it to love people in life? Sure, some are easy, but what about the difficult, cranky, impossible, hard-to-love people? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will teach listeners that Jesus' command to love Him is often expressed in our human relationships. While our decision to love God comes from the heart, it's most manifest in the way we live, and mostly in the way we interact with and love others. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. Here